Dhamma that the Buddha taught uh, was something that was easy to understand. Uh, in the Buddha's time, uh, the Buddha gave teachings in the Pali language, uh, but now these days we have to converse in, in English so everyone can understand. And so when we speak uh, and talk uh, on Dhamma in English, we have to use uh, words uh, that are easily understandable and easily practiced. Uh, for example, when we talk about training the mind, uh, we have to talk about uh, having mindfulness uh, within the present moment. So uh, we have to practice having mindfulness uh, within the present moment. This is something we have to practice a lot. Uh, for example, uh, earlier you did the the chanting. Uh, so when we chant, we have to do it in a way that's not too fast, not too slow. Uh, and uh, the important thing is to have mindfulness uh, while we are chanting. And so while we are chanting, uh, we have to uh, keep our thoughts within the present, uh, 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 keeping it with the chanting, uh, not letting it stray to the past and to the future, and just keeping it in the present. So the Venerable Ajahn Chah, he taught in a very easy uh, to understand uh, way. Uh, he taught about uh, watching and, and seeing happiness, suffering uh, arising in the present moment, uh, having mindfulness there uh, to see these states of happiness and suffering, seeing them uh, as arising and passing away. So whenever we have mindfulness, uh, arising at that moment, then this is when we are also close to the Buddha, close to Buddha, close to the Buddha. Uh, this is what uh, Ajahn Chah taught. Uh, you know, why is this? Uh, it's because when we have mindfulness, uh, then we have awareness uh, following. And when we have this mindfulness and awareness, then uh, concentration and peace uh, follows this. Uh, when our concentration is strong, then uh, naturally wisdom will follow. And so uh, we have to start to understand the mind, uh, understand the feelings that arise within the mind. Uh, we can see that there's likes and dislikes that happen uh, regularly within the mind. And so the practice is to see these uh, mind states as something that is uh, inherently temporary, uh, seeing it as something that's uh, impermanent, suffering, and, and not self. And so, just to see it as arising, staying for a while, and then passing away. So there was a time when uh, a, a layperson came to Ajahn Chah, and they had a lot of uh, immense suffering in their mind, and so they wanted to, to talk to Ajahn Chah. And so uh, they were... Uh, relaying the stories of why they, they were suffering so much. Uh, but Ajahn Chah, uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't say much. Uh, he only uh, listened. Uh, he wasn't teaching uh, ways to uh, free uh, that person from suffering, from his, his suffering. Uh, instead, he, he took a, a bucket, a heavy bucket, and uh, told the layperson to, to hold this bucket. And so the layperson took it, uh, and, and 
the, and the lay person continued to share his stories of suffering with, with Ajahn Chah. After, after a certain time had passed, uh, this lay person had forgotten about the sufferings uh, that, that when he first came in, uh, to see Lumpur Chah, to, uh, to see Ajahn Chah. And so then Ajahn Chah asked him, uh, that bucket you're holding, is it heavy? Uh, yes. So if it's heavy, then why not put it down? And so the layperson uh, put that heavy bucket down, and with it he put his problems and his suffering uh, down as well. And he understood uh, not to hold on to these feelings of suffering, but by putting them down, then the mind becomes at ease, becomes peaceful and calm. So that person could let go of his suffering in the mind because he had mindfulness and wisdom at that time. And so for, for all of you, uh, whenever you have any sort of heavy emotions, feelings, uh, attachments in the mind uh, or heavy suffering, uh, you have to be able to contemplate it, look at it in the right way and be able to put it down and let it go. Uh, and so even feelings of, of happiness, uh, you have to really be careful of these as well because this uh, becomes the cause for unhappiness or suffering to arise later. Uh, and so the practice is about knowing uh, happiness, knowing suffering, and knowing that both states are uncertain. So when we are able to practice like this, uh, this is what we call seeing the Dhamma. Uh, this is seeing the Dhamma little bit uh, by bit. And so for a stream enterer or a sotapanna, uh, their minds are able to come together and they can clearly see uh, this uh, phenomena. They can clearly see uh, things as impermanent suffering and not self and are able to let it go. So whenever happiness arises, whenever suffering arises in the mind, uh, you have to know it and let that go. Uh, and, to pr and practicing this is what uh, we call the arising of Buddha or the, the, the knowing, the knowing of the Buddha uh, within the mind. For all of you, you have to train in this way each day, every day. Uh, when you're doing your daily activities, uh, when you're at work, etc., uh, you have to have a lot of mindfulness. Uh, you have to be developing uh, mindfulness. Uh, so you can uh, you know, have mindfulness in the present uh, by recollecting the, the mantra, Bhutto, uh, you know, you use this in the mind when, when you're free, when you're not uh, doing activities that, that engage the mind. And so the practice is about making this as continuous as you can. Uh, Ajahn Chah said that it's like uh, uh, a tap. And so uh, at first when you turn on a tap, it, it drops uh, drop by drop. And it's not, it's not yet a stream. But if you turn it, uh, the tap on stronger, then uh, these drops form into a steady stream. And this is the same as uh, when we practice mindfulness. Uh, you know, we practice drop by drop or bit by bit until it becomes steady and continuous like a stream. And so when our mindfulness uh, increases, grows, uh, uh, is, you know, when our mindfulness increases and grows, then, then uh, this is when uh, our clarity and understanding will grow as well. So uh, in the, the present day, uh, the growth of 
technology and the world has, has grown at such a fast pace. Uh, the level of uh, understanding of different sciences has, has grown at such an immense pace. Uh, but it's said that when the world develops, uh, then also darkness develops. And this darkness is not uh, in terms of the outside, but in terms of the mind. And so you'll see that uh, even though uh, the world is uh, a lot more developed, uh, there's a lot more unhappiness uh, that is, is, is rife and, and uh, within, within people's minds. Uh, within the, uh, during the Buddha's time, uh, it wasn't uh, developed at all. Uh, but in those times, uh, the state and the level of people's minds were very high. Uh, there was a, the, the fully enlightened Buddha, uh, fully enlightened arahants, or the disciples of the Buddha, uh, lay people who had seen the Dhamma as well. And there were many of these uh, around the Buddha's time. Uh, but now, there's different types of dangers, uh, different uh, causes of, of happiness. Uh, for instance, uh, there's this, I heard there's this the virus uh, in, in Africa that is uh, causing people to, uh, to, to die and to uh, be afraid. And where does this come from? Uh, uh, but uh, these days, the people's minds haven't, haven't grown much. Uh, so therefore, for all of you, uh, you're very fortunate to be Buddhist, uh, to, to practice the Buddhist teachings. And so uh, during this life, uh, you should make the most of that uh, by practicing generosity, morality, uh, and uh, mental development. And so we, when we practice this mental development or pavana, uh, we have to practice by uh, what I've taught, by, by developing mindfulness, uh, more and more, and this acts as uh, a guard uh, for different types of sickness uh, that that may arise in the mind. Uh, so uh, you see different types of diseases uh, that affect the body, uh, that may even harm or, or kill uh, this body. Uh, but the worst type of disease is actually the one in the mind, uh, the one that. Uh, is of people's delusion of their wrong view. And so uh, when we're able to develop mindfulness, uh, then this is when concentration develops, and when concentration develops, then our, our wisdom will be clear and we'll, we will understand clearly. So all of us have to uh, practice at training uh, this mind. So the Venerable Ajahn Chah, he asked us, what, what is the mind? Do you know what the mind is? Uh, this mind is, is the receiver of, of sense contact, uh, we call uh, aramana. And so our senses, our internal senses, are constantly receiving uh, through the, the sense doors. And th so it receives them through the eyes, uh, the ear, uh, the nose, taste, and through the body. So it receives uh, the, the external world through these senses. And so all of this is sent to the mind. And so the practice is about developing uh, mindfulness uh, within, within our minds or when this sense contact occurs. Uh, so when this is sent to the mind, then uh, we have mindfulness then. And we, uh, the more mindfulness that we have, then we're able to see uh, these sense objects or these sense contact as arising 
and passing away. Uh, but if our minds are quite weak, uh, we haven't trained in mindfulness or in the practice, uh, then the mind will follow all these sense uh, objects and get lost in them. And so when we practice meditation, uh, then our mind becomes more still, more calm, more peaceful, and we're able to see thoughts uh, clearly. So when thoughts arise, then we know these, th these thoughts as impermanent. And so as our mindfulness, as our mind becomes firmer and stronger, then we're able to separate the mind and these mental objects. Uh, we can see that they're two separate things. The mind is one thing, but the mental objects, they're, they're another thing. So uh, when we come to train the mind, uh, we have to have a foundation uh, for our practice. Uh, there's, a, there's an easy way that we can practice. Uh, whenever there's food, uh, sorry, whenever there's moods and feelings of uh, liking or attraction or disliking, uh, just see both these uh, states as something that's uncertain, that's not sure. So even when uh, we have uh, a sense of peace in the mind, uh, also see this as something that's not sure. So whatever arises within the mind, just contemplate this as something that's uncertain, that's not sure. Lumpur uh, Tongrat, uh, who was uh, Ajahn Chah's teacher, uh, he had uh, there was a there was sorry there was an old monk who ordained with Lumpur Tongrat who was uh, this Lumpur Tongrat was Ajahn Chah's teacher, and so Lumpur Tongrat he knew that uh, to teach an old older monk would be difficult, and so he wished to teach uh, this monk in a very easy way that uh, this monk would practice by. Uh, so one day he pointed to uh, a small stump. Uh, a tree stump. And he said to this monk, uh, make your mind just like that tree stump. And uh, after this, this older monk, he contemplated and tried to think to himself, how do I practice uh, making my mind like this tree stump? Uh, how, how do I practice by Lumpur Tongrat's teachings? Uh, and then he thought about it more, and he thought, hey, if if whoever or anyone does anything to this, this tree stump, uh, it's not going to do anything back. It doesn't have any liking or disliking to, to anything anyone does to it. And so he understood that he had to make his mind uh, just like this. So whenever there was any uh, uh, thoughts, objects uh, arising, he just had to uh, put it all out, throw it all out, uh, just have mindfulness uh, there. Uh, not getting caught into liking or disliking. And when he practiced in this way, mindfulness and wisdom developed. And this was a way that he could practice and, and know the Dhamma easily. So uh, we have to, the most important thing is for us to practice this mindfulness uh, within the present moment. So when anything uh, any moods, emotions, uh, feelings arise within the mind. We have to know them and uh, have the knowledge that these things are uncertain. Uh, they're not sure. They're, they're something that isn't lasting. And so we practice uh, in this way. We practice uh, doing uh, you know, short, uh, abbreviated chanting like you've been doing. 
Uh, then you sit meditation, try to make the mind peaceful uh, uh, and, and calm uh, and empty. And so empty of what? Empty of, of uh, the attachments that we usually hold on to. And so in this way, if we're able to let go of our attachments in the mind, then our mind becomes free, becomes at ease and peaceful. And so uh, this is the practice, uh, knowing all these things that arise and, and knowing that uh, these attachments uh, are, to be, to let go, are, are to be let go of, to be put down. And uh, we know that uh, this state of emptiness uh, when we put things down uh, is, is something that's uh, of more value and something that's uh, extremely uh, better for our, for our well-being. And so we have to practice through uh, the foundations of, of the Buddhist teachings. Uh, there's no need to, to read too many books. Uh, it's much better to, to read one's own mind. And so when monks went to practice with Ajahn Chah, he would tell them uh, to put down the books, just close, close the books, uh, but instead uh, open and read up, read uh, your own mind. And so whatever thoughts, whatever feelings, uh, emotions arise, uh, whether they be happiness or suffering, uh, just to, to know them and to be able to put them down, let them go, uh, know that they're something that's impermanent. Oh, sorry. And, and know that uh, letting go is the most important thing. So do you understand the teachings? So now that you understand uh, the teachings, uh, now it's about putting it into practice. To, yeah, it's about doing it uh, a lot. And so you have to develop uh, mindfulness, uh, concentration, and when this becomes strong, then wisdom uh, will arise. Wisdom will be a lot more clearer. And so it's something that uh, you have to do a lot, not just to understand. And this is the understanding that comes from, from practice or from a, a still mind. So if uh, now we'll open the session for questions. Ajahn, I have a question here. Um, for people who com um, commit suicide, usually the, the theory and usually the, 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 the monks will say that it is bad karma and they will fall to the um, unwholesome, unhappy realms. But what if, because by the psychology, at that time when they actually decided to, to kill themselves, they actually are released from the suffering that they were actually having. And they felt that they actually did the right thing and they felt that they are released from the suffering. So, so they, some of them may not be exactly that um, um, upset when they die, when they kill themselves. So uh, my question is, is it okay to commit suicide after all? Uh, so the answer lies uh, within the mind. Uh, an example is during the Buddha's time, uh, there were a group of monks that were practicing uh, by contemplating the unattractiveness, the loathsomeness of, of the body. And so when they uh, contemplated 
uh, the body in this way. They found it as being something that was very dirty, uh, very unattractive, and they got very bored uh, of having this body. And so uh, these monks uh, had a lot of peace and concentration within their minds uh, through this contemplation. Uh, and uh, they thought that it's much better not to have a body at all. It's much better to, to be a heavenly being or a devada. And so uh, these monks ended up giving uh, their requisites, their belongings uh, to a person in the monastery and said, I'll give you these uh, requisites uh, and in return, uh, can, you, can you kill me? Can you uh, help me to commit suicide? And so this person ended up killing uh, or helping them, these, these monks in 10 or 20 uh, within a day. Uh, and so uh, the state of these monks' minds were in a very high state already. They had concentration, they had calm, and so they would uh, go to a, a, a better uh, rebirth. Uh, but if the mind is in a very dark state, uh, it's, uh, you know, we have a lot of attachment and love for, for our bodies. Uh, if the mind is in this state, uh, and it, it, uh, the person is wanting to commit suicide as a way to get out of the suffering that they have within their minds. Uh, they may think, uh, they may have the perception that the next life will be uh, a life of happiness or something better uh, than this uh, life that has suffering. Uh, and so uh, this this suffering is actually... Uh, stuck uh, actually resides in in that mind. Uh, the the suffering or that state of suffering it's not within the body, and so by killing the body it doesn't get rid of it. And so next life uh, their minds are still in a state of suffering. Uh, and so even if one has a new body, then uh, they're still even if one's a human, then they'll still have that uh, suffering within. Uh, but if one uh, one's mind is at a very high level with mindfulness, with uh, a lot of wisdom, uh, then they're able to go to a good uh, rebirth. Or if they're able to, to recollect all the wholesomeness and good qualities that they've done before, then they're able to go to a good rebirth. Uh, but if you ask whether it's okay to commit suicide, uh, you know, why, why rush? Uh, your, the body is still going to die anyway. Uh, so it's much better to use the time that one has to develop goodness, uh, skillful qualities uh, in the time that's remaining. And so you have to kill this uh, uh, attachment to self rather than killing uh, the body or, or what we consider self because the, the gilases or the mental defilements they don't reside within this body, and so they reside uh, in the mind. And so it's much better to, to kill this attachment to self rather than the body. Uh, can Tanya advise how do we contemplate on the unattractiveness of the body? Uh, so in the beginning, when we're practicing uh, to see the unattractiveness of the body uh, as a meditation object, then uh, in the beginning, we, we're not able to see it as a clear mental image. Uh, and so we have to begin to contemplate 
this, this body, uh, we can start by seeing uh, that we all have a breath, uh, you know, we all breathe oxygen, uh, and this uh, keeps us alive. Uh, whenever uh, this uh, function of breathing stops, then uh, the body will also stop and start to decay. Uh, and so we can see that uh, at the end of uh, this body's life, uh, then all the elements start to, to change, start to decay and uh, separate. And so uh, the, the body starts to uh, uh, turn in a let me say, gr greenish color. Uh, it starts to uh, bloat. Uh, and, and basically the body starts to, to decay and there will be different types of parasites uh, coming out of this body, uh, pass, uh, and uh, the body will show all sorts of uh, unattractive, uh, even disgusting aspects of the body, which is its nature. Uh, and so we can, oh, sorry, and, and, and also uh, there will be uh, a very strong uh, smell coming from this, this uh, decaying body. And so we can contemplate when the body uh, is, is left in a place uh, at, such as a cemetery uh, and to contemplate on the different stages of decomposition. Uh, uh, we, we can begin to contemplate just uh, one aspect of a stage of decomposition. Uh, for instance, uh, the bloating, the pus, uh, of, of the body, or, or even later on when uh, different animals uh, start to, to eat this body, to, to take it apart, and all the parts of the body start uh, separating uh, and ultimately decaying. Uh, in the beginning, we can think uh, of this, uh, uh, sorry, in the beginning, we're not able to see it clearly as a mental picture, but we can uh, use our memories uh, in order to bring these up in our contemplation. And so when we're able to do this a lot, uh, then the mind, or you'll notice that the mind becomes more at ease, uh, becomes more peaceful, uh, becomes more empty. And uh, this is when you know that uh, samadhi or concentration is starting to, to develop from this practice. Uh, so when you're able to practice uh, this asubha kamatana or uh, the, the practice of, of seeing the, the body as, as unattractive, then uh, slowly the mental picture will, be, will become clearer. Uh, you may be able to see uh, the, the blood that's within the body uh, that's flowing out of it. Uh, you may end up seeing that this skin uh, that is just a, a cover or a, 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 a bag for this, this body that's full of blood, uh, pus, bones, uh, flesh, uh, and, all, and all other unattractive parts of the body. And uh, as our, our practice uh, in this meditation grows stronger, then we're able to see that uh, ultimately all these uh, parts of the body will decay into its uh, respective elements. Uh, and so when you're able to see these parts clearly or different aspects of the body clearly uh, as unattractive, then uh, your concentration 
or samadhi will, will grow and will develop uh, within the, the monks, within, the, the, within the, the monks there's a certain saying that uh, whenever you, you see the beauty of the body, then the mind becomes dark. Uh, but when you can clearly see the unattractiveness, the dirty, dirtiness of this body, uh, then the mind becomes clear and bright and radiant. Uh, and this will help us to become closer to seeing the truth uh, as we're able to practice uh, seeing the unattractive nature of the body more and more. We'll be able to see uh, it simply as just elements uh, the, the natural uh, great elements uh, that have come together and that are decaying. And so being able to see this uh, is equivalent to being able to see the Dhamma and uh, uh, allows one to attain to stream entry. And so this process of contemplation is something that's uh, very important to do. Uh, this uh, asuba kamatana or this uh, contemplation on the un- attractiveness of the body is a way that uh, we can uh, make the mind peaceful. Uh, so by seeing the unattractiveness of the body, the mind becomes peaceful. Uh, so we can see ourselves, uh, our own bodies as something that's unattractive, or we can see the bodies of others as something that's unattractive. Uh, and this uh, will help the mind to, to be calm and peaceful. Uh, so we can use uh, a mental, sorry, we can use a, a mantra uh, to reflect and uh, recollect the different parts of the body. Uh, we can start from the, the top of the head and all the way down to the soles of the feet uh, by contemplating uh, the different bones or the bone structure uh, we can see the, the, the skull and then all the way down to, uh, to the jawbone, to the, uh, uh, the, the arms and the, the, the legs, all the way down uh, and contemplate the different uh, bones. Uh, once we've taken all the organs out of this body, uh, then all that's left is just a pile of bones. And so uh, we can start to contemplate like this and we begin to remember uh, the different uh, bones or, or, or the skeleton. Uh, we can even uh, uh, just touch our own body and, and, and to see how uh, these, these bones uh, are formed or, or how they, they lay within our body. And so even our teeth uh, is also uh, just really, it's just bones. Uh, and so uh, Ajahn Chah, he, he once said that, oh, I don't see what's the big deal about uh, beautiful looking teeth. Uh, they're just bones. How can, they, how can they be beautiful? And so once we contemplate uh, in this way, we're able to see more clearly our mindfulness and our concentration develops. Uh, then we start to begin to see this body as simply a body. Uh, it's not something that we can own, uh, not something that's us, me, or mine. And this is when we start to get into the investigation uh, aspect of, of meditation or, or the vipassana. And so this is when we start to begin to see the Dhamma. Do you, under, you understand? Is it understandable? Hmm. Uh, to practice this asubha 
we need some concentration for samadhi before we can start to do it. We need some samadhi, is it? Before we can contemplate. Uh, so, with the practice of uh, contemplating the unattractiveness of the body, uh, there's, there's two ways that you can practice it. Uh, the first way is that uh, you focus uh, on using a meditation object such as the breath, uh, mindfulness of breathing, or on the meditation mantra, Bhutto, and uh, you use this to bring the mind to calm and peace. And then when the mind is calm and peaceful, then you can contemplate on uh, the asupa or the unattractiveness of the body. And again, the mind will, will go into a firmer state of peace. Uh, so this is uh, one way. Uh, the other way is that you can uh, contemplate uh, asubha first uh, as a way to develop uh, concentration and peace. And so if you're able to do this, uh, then whenever you can see the impermanent suffering and, and not self of the body, then this is when you're able to see the Dhamma. And so for the, the people's minds who are more uh, of the nature to proliferate, uh, to they find it difficult to gain peace uh, easily, then uh, they need to contemplate uh, on things such as asubha or the unattractiveness, and this will help to the mind uh, and lead it to samadhi. And so we call this uh, wisdom leads uh, samadhi. Ajahn, um, after, um, let's say for example, when we go to a retreat, after a sitting, um, when the sitting is very calm and very peaceful, very still, you've got a good samadhi, during the next sitting, uh, should you do a contemplation, uh, you know, making use of the uh, stillness of the mind to do contemplation? And if we are to do contemplation, what should we contemplate on? So if in that next sitting that you're able to recollect the peace uh, that you experience in the last sitting, uh, you can, uh, you can rec you're able to recollect uh, that, that peaceful mind, uh, you have memories of it, uh, then you can use this to, to help the mind uh, enter uh, that state of, of peace once again, or that state of samadhi. Uh, but if you're unable to do that uh, on that next sitting, then you have to uh, start again. You have to uh, have mindfulness over the, the breath. Uh, keep the mind in the present. Uh, don't let the mind wander to the future or to the, the past. Uh, but what's important is that when you sit again, uh, is not to have a desire for the mind to uh, be peaceful once again. Uh, when we practice, we have to practice with an attitude of letting go. And so we uh, practice from the start, uh, practice by developing mindfulness, but in a way that has uh, no craving or attachments to that peace. And if we practice in this way, then the samadhi uh, will arise once again. Yes, understand? Again. Just, just you have to practice uh, it continuously. That, that's what you have to do. To 
what level of uh, stillness do we need to practice until? Is it to the level of jhana to? Uh, so for when you're developing samadhi in your meditation, uh, there's no need to try to uh, attain a certain state, or it's just uh, that you have to practice to develop samadhi as uh, to the highest level that you're able to. And so, you know, you have to try to cut off uh, thinking, cut off thoughts. Uh, you have to practice in this way. Uh, you want to practice till the body and the mind feels at ease, uh, feels very free and calm. Uh, and you want to practice to the state where uh, whatever arises within the mind, then you'll be able to see that clearly with your, your mindfulness. Uh, and this is when we're able to see the Dhamma. Uh, rejoice in all the, the good merits that you've made by coming, uh, listening to the Dhamma, and then may you all have a safe journey home. See you next Friday. Don't forget about letting go. <laughs> <laughs>